if it was possible to pray the gay away, I would be straight right now. Yeah, this is <laughs> like the sure. amount that I prayed about not being gay. Mm. Welcome back to Made It Out. Today we are talking about a topic that I'm super fixated on growing up gay in the church. It's kind of like one of those things when you, you're like, where are you at a party? And they're like, oh, I'm in the corner petting the dog. It's like, no, I'm ear beating someone about religious trauma probably. <laughs> I am dumping everything from my childhood. <laughs> and Emily Frizzell is here to talk about this with us. <laughs> I met Emily just from being gay. Put us together at any party in a drinking game, and we turn into different, first of all, different people. Demons. Like, <laughs> what the fuck are we doing? And then we also have the same laugh as we discovered like two weeks ago. Do you remember that? Yes. Where we were like laughing at something that Alex was doing, and we were both like, <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, that was an echo chamber of terror. Like, both of us just like howling. And then we were laughing harder because we have the same laugh. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> we're also both from Texas. You're from Houston. Houston. I'm from Dallas. But honestly, anywhere you are in Texas, you can't really escape the, it's, yeah, it's, the religious culture. No, I don't think so. I grew up in like the Bible church denomination. What sector were you in? I was Catholic growing up. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I was Catholic, but I also like, I, I grew up in Texas. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I also lived overseas in like elementary school and middle school. So like I was born in Texas, grew up in Texas until the second grade, lived overseas, and then came back when I was in the seventh grade. What were you in doing the sixth in the My dad was in oil. Okay. So I lived in Bogota, Colombia for two years. And then I lived in this country called Azerbaijan. I don't know if anyone has ever heard of it, <laughs> but I lived there for three years. Wow. Yeah. So like had a little break from Texas and then came back and then did middle school and high school in Texas. Okay. But by the time, honestly, like with the gay things, like I didn't realize I was gay till middle school. So it was like perfect timing being back in Texas <laughs> for that to come back up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So how actively involved were you guys in church? We were like a church every Sunday family, even overseas. Like we found churches and um, my mom was Catholic and my dad was Baptist, but we went to the Catholic church. But it was an every every Sunday kind of thing. My family was a very big prayer before meal family, mm -hmm. like Bible stories before bed, heavily, heavily involved in the church growing up. Wow. Um, and, and I mentioned I was Catholic, but when I was in and Catholic, I don't know. I don't know what the, I don't know how to describe it, but like you go to a Catholic mass and everything is tradition. Like the priests are wearing robes and like you are like I was a little altar girl and it wasn't necessarily about your relationship with God. Mm. It was more so about following the rules and like asking for repentance and like doing all the right things. It does feel very fear based. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so. I transitioned out of the Catholic Church when I was in middle school. I had started going to this summer camp that was like a very religious summer camp, but I loved it. Like it was the best two weeks. I went there and I had these like counselors who were amazing. And I was like, oh, this is like what I'm looking for. And so I left the Catholic Church when I was in high school and then my parents ended up following. The camps will get you. They got me so good. <laughs> I, they I to, got me so good. 
I went to the same type camps, like as a social thing. My friends mm-hmm. were like, come to church camp with me. And they, the music and the games and like the just, yeah, it, it, it makes you be like, I want to be a part of this. Like, I don't know. And for me, it was like, I don't know if I really feel the God thing. Like, mm-hmm. I don't really understand that part, but I am here for everything else. <laughs> like, but this music slaps. Yeah. <laughs> You need to. Isn't awesome? (laughs) God, he right. Imagine how funny got an acapella. You could sing that to anybody who's ever like even remotely been near a church, and they are gonna know that song. No, they would. They would. (laughs) And the camp life got me for sure. But I think that also like something that after living overseas, I came back and I just like never fit in. And so in middle school and high school, I never felt like I fit in, but then I would go to camp and it was like the opposite. Mm -hmm. Like it was kind of, you know, the whole idea of this unconditional love. Like we're going to love you no matter where you are later to find out that that's actually not what it is. But like in the moment it felt like, oh my God, like I don't fit in at school, but I can go to the summer camp every summer and have the best two weeks and everyone will love me literally no matter what, you mm-hmm. know? And so I became very religious because I was like, that is what I want. Like, that's how I want people to feel around me. Like, this is why I'm here. It's like the whole thing with young life too. Like you are sucked in because it's like, we will love you no matter what, except for this. I am not very familiar with young life. I've definitely heard of it. and mm-hmm. But what what is it and what does it entail? So it's an organization that's supposed to help high school students be closer to God. So usually what it is, it's like high school or college kids or like young adults, they will start a young life program at a school and they will go into the school and they'll start hanging out with kids just like, and they're cool people too. I know it sounds sketchy. It is sketchy. <laughs> I was a young life leader and when I was in college and basically what I did was like, I was responsible for like meeting kids at a high school and then starting to hang out with them and like not really making it about religion, but then starting Bible studies with them. So it was like kind of sucking them into the religious world without them really knowing, which is why Young Life had such a stereotype because it was like they would go after the cool people at, at in, in high schools. And so like all the cool girls would be in Young Life and they would be at Young Life on Monday nights and they would be drinking on the weekend, Mm. you know? And so it became one of those things where they like brought everyone in. Yeah, it's almost like a bait and switch type Mm -hmm. tactic or yeah, it just feels very manipulative. And there were, there's been recent movements. I think this was like two or three years ago and there was some kind of hashtag for it, but it was basically all of these former Young Life kids who started speaking up about their coming out experience in Young Life Mm. and how they would come out, not even like, I'm gay, this is who I am, I'm proud, even just coming out as in like, this is something that I'm struggling with. Mm -hmm. And they were told you cannot be a part of this. No. And there was a girl like, cause I was a young life leader when I was in college and I slowly started seeing this towards my end, towards the end of my time there. But there was this girl that went to A&M and she, she was like struggling with her sexuality. She like never acted on it, but she went and she told like our leader who everyone thought that they could trust. Cause he was like, I love everyone, no matter what, this is God's message. And she went and told him that she was gay. And he was like, 
immediately you're not allowed to be a leader anymore. You're not allowed to see your Bible study kids that you've been hanging out with for the last three years. And then he went and told all of her roommates that she was gay. Oh, no. they kicked her out of their uh, out of her house. He used all the words like she is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Oh. And so everyone like ostracized her at our university and little me in the closet is like, that's what I saw. Like I was in her place. I hadn't come out to anyone, but I saw her experience and I was like, I'm going to stay. <laughs> I'm going to stay right here. I mean, you're getting, they're sending a message. Yeah. It's like a fear tactic of like, if you come forward, this is what's going to happen. And it happened hundreds of times. Like there are hundreds of these stories posted everywhere of kids being like, this is something that I'm struggling with, or this is something that I am. And then being like, well, you are no longer welcome here. Okay. So you are, this is college. This is college. Yeah. But when did you start to realize that you were having gay feelings or? I realized in middle school, I think subconsciously, I did not know what being gay was in elementary school. I did not know it was a possibility. Like I didn't know any I didn't know any gay people. I didn't have any gay examples around. There was never a place for me to question like what if I'm into women. Which makes sense because if you grew up in this like heavy Catholic upbringing and then like a religious family and you're in the Texas culture. Right. It's like where are you going to find gay people? Totally. Ellen. <laughs> I didn't even know about her. You know what I mean at this yeah. point? Um, but when I was in middle school, I think that like, once I moved back to the United States, I realized I had started to hear things about gay people, but I wasn't really sure. Um, and I remember, but I remember it being a bad thing. Like that's so gay or people being like calling each other f***s and, and I remember this all being in PE class for some reason. Like, it's like, that's gay. That's gay. But did, was that also happening in church? Like, were you hearing scripture and messages about like gay is bad or? Mm-hmm. Okay. It wasn't ever like we hate gay people, but it was always like the love the sinner, hate the sin type of thing where like, if I remember, you know, in in high school one time listening to a sermon of the priest being like, hey, we're going to talk about being gay and we're going to talk about gay people. And and he was like, our job as Christians is to love everyone, but it's also your job to tell them that it's wrong. Mm. And so not only is it just not love the sin, it's like, you have to be God. Like you have to be the one telling this person that who they are is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but my first gay memory was in middle school. I had a dream again, bringing this back to the summer camp. I feel like I just had crushes on all my camp counselors. Like I was like, they are the coolest girls in the entire world. <laughs> and I remember having a dream just like where I was holding hands and like cuddling, not even sexual or kissing, mm-hmm. just like being intimate in a friendship way, as what I thought when I was in middle school. And I had this dream and I woke up and I felt so good. I was like, that was the best dream. It's like a wet dream. I have ever had. <laughs> and then I thought like the first thing that popped into my head was, at least I'm not gay. <laughs> like how delusional. Waking up, holding hands with a woman, being like, wow, that would be that crazy. That was the best was- night of my life. <laughs> yeah. But oh. <laughs> yeah. And then, wow. and then it kind of spiraled, like where I was like every night I was like wanting to dream about 
being with a woman. Wow, that is so interesting. Mm -hmm. I never, like, I wish I was someone who had had a gay experience with someone. I think a lot of people have, like, secret girlfriends. Like, I... A lot of people that I've talked to had friends that they would make out with in high school. Mm -hmm. None of that. Mm -hmm. I was truly asexual. I think when I realized I was gay, I was like, whoa. And so I like went to the asexuality sphere just because I was like, I don't want to. I know that I'm not into men. So I'm just going to kind of keep to myself. Like a repression. Mm -hmm. I, I totally resonate with that. Granted, I was still out there fucking men because... I mean, that's what we're taught, right? You know, yeah. like you have to be doing this. I don't know how you did that, though. Like, I still, wait, I'm unpacking it in therapy. Julia. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> but it was like, was it ever like, were any experiences good or were they all like, would you convince yourself that yeah. they were good? Okay. I definitely think like, and just overall, I think my experience with like church culture, mm-hmm. there was a really big cognitive dissonance for me because it was like I don't go into church and feel God and like love God it's right I don't understand what you people are talking about I don't I'm not feeling what you guys are feeling Mm -hmm. but I love I feel something when the music turns on but I don't ever feel like that connection right but I'm being told that I should Yes. So it's like, okay, I need to just force myself into this box. And like, I think with anything in life, once you're forcing yourself into one box, you're probably forcing yourself into a lot of other boxes. Right. So it was just this whole thing of like dissociation. Mm -hmm. Okay. If this is what everybody's doing and this is like, this is how it is. Like, there's no, there's Mm -hmm. no, what if I take my, especially in Texas where like everyone is the same Mm -hmm. to some extent pushing like getting out of that box is not cool you know and it's not gonna put you in a place where you feel more comfortable it's gonna make you uncomfortable and it's gonna make everyone else around you uncomfortable totally and and you're receiving this message constantly Mm -hmm. like do not don't go against this don't you dare do something different right i genuinely think it was just this whole thing of okay i'm gonna force myself to like this force myself to enjoy this and just really try and obviously like you just hit a wall after a certain point yeah. and have a fucking breaking it gets point to a breaking point. For yeah. Sure. And mine was just unfortunately later in life. But mm-hmm. I I was very heavily in, like influenced by Texas and religious culture mm-hmm. without actively super participating. So, yeah, that's how I fucked guys. <laughs> I'll say. I'm like, how does that happen? <laughs> Did you never have sex with any guys? No. Ah. Uh, I love that for you. Mm-mm. Truly, I just love that for you. I did not do anything. I only kissed one guy before I started. I didn't have my first kiss till I was 21 years old. Wow. Yeah. And then I kissed this guy and I was like, nope, like I will not. And even then I knew I was gay and I had already come out to people. But when I came out, everyone was like, well, how do you know? You've never even kissed a guy. Oh, God. And I was like, watch this. <laughs> that was terrible. I hated it. Yeah. Okay. Are y'all happy? That okay, so we're figured out that we're like having these gay feelings. Now what? Now you're like freaking out because panic. Okay. Like high school. High school, I think I was still repressed. Like, so those started in middle school. High school. Those meaning the wet dreams. The wet dreams. Got it. The wet dreams that I would have. And I honestly had them through high school. Like I would just love to sleep because I loved having these dreams that I would hopefully have. Like a bitch was never tired. No. <laughs> Nap, no problem. Like I, but I was always like, I I was never, I always was presented myself as very happy. And I think that I was a very happy kid, but I had all of these 
just like internalized, like all of this internalized hatred about myself once I realized that I was gay. And when I was in high school, the day before I went to college, my parents like put me on their Netflix account and I went to the LGBT section of Netflix and I watched this movie. It was the first gay thing I'd ever watched. Like I hadn't watched any YouTube videos. I hadn't like, again, up until this point, the only thing that I knew about being gay was like, it's bad. And like the gay people that went to my school, they were creepy. And like, it was just all of these stereotypes about gay people. And then I watched this movie. It's called Bloomington. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I have it. it. I have it. It's anyways, it's about two gay girls. And I watched it five times that night. Like I watched it the first time and I was like, holy shit. And then I watched it four more times the day before I went to college. And so I was going into college freaking out because that was like, first of all, when can I watch this movie again? (laughs) Like in the car, like how do I pull this up on my phone? Um, (laughs) But then also being like, holy shit, I'm about to go to this college. I'm so religious. Is it a religious college? It is as religious as it can get without being religious. So it's not like a Christian college. What school? Texas A&M. Oh, of course. But everyone there was very religious and everything was about Bible culture and young life. And if you didn't go to church, that was just what? What? Like, come to church with me. Like, and then I think that's when I first started getting really, really, really bad anxiety. I think after like I watched that, I was like this, like I identify with this so much And I will never, ever be able to tell anyone about this. And so then I just started like kind of hating all these parts about me. And so everything that I did, like I think a lot of gay people, when they realize they're gay, they go to the opposite spectrum where they become rebellious. And I remember the gay kids in high school, they dyed their hair and it was like the emo kids and they they had piercings all over their face, you know? And I was like, that is not me. And I think that I just went the whole other way where I was like, this is so, this is something that is so dirty about me and so vile that I will do everything else right. Like I'm not Mm going to do drugs. I'm going to get straight A's in school. I'm not going to drink alcohol until I'm 21. Like I'm not going to have sex before marriage. And so all of these things that I was doing that everyone else is like, Emily's perfect. Like Emily's such a great girl. Emily's like, you know, the, the star of the church. It's because I was so like disgusted with different parts of myself that I was like, well, if I can change, if I can be different outside of that, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. You just bury it so deep Mm -hmm. and you're like, nobody is ever going to find out about it. But do you think it was more of an outward, like, I don't want people to find out about it? Or do you think a lot of it had to do with your relationship with God too? Yeah. So I knew you were going to ask this question. Um, and I did bring my prayer journal. Oh, thank God. Thank God. This episode. <laughs> I was reading this earlier this morning because I was like, I have to bring this. We're talking about like religion and religious trauma. I, I was looking at it and I like found my later, later journaling when I was coming out and I couldn't even talk about being gay, but I would use the word lustful thoughts Mm. in my journal. So like I found this, um, this is like one of the things I was like, I pray that my lustful thoughts would go 
directly to you because I don't want them anymore, no matter how great or how bad they make me feel. So it's like I was thinking about being gay and I was like, I'm like acknowledging that when I think gay things, I feel amazing. I feel like myself. I I feel feel like myself. Mm -hmm. I feel open and I feel honest, but I know that they're bad, you know, and 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 it was all all asking for forgiveness. It was like, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Like, I'll try better. I'll, I'll, you know, like I want to be loved by you. Like I want to love you, but I'm having these terrible thoughts or these like lustful thoughts that I can't get rid of. And I kept being like, I give these to you. Like I give them over to you. I give them over to you. I give them over to you hoping that God would take them away. And I think that I tried to pray the gay away for so long Mm -hmm. that like it came to a point where I was like, I, I can't, Mm -hmm. I have, I, if, if it was possible to pray the gay away, I would be straight right now. Yeah. This is like the amount that I prayed Mm -hmm. about not being gay. Like it would have had to, it had to have worked Mm -hmm. if I was really doing it, you know, like years of years of journaling being like, please, please, please. And it never going away. And then finally being like, well, I guess, after like all the years of praying, this is something that I have to accept, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's fun to have these. It's fun to look through them for sure. Cause I'm like, what the hell? But it's also just like such a story. Speak like that. I would never speak like that now. Like, why do I have to sound like a disciple (laughs) in order to talk to him? I'm like, well, he only understands (laughs) colonial English. (laughs) Like that's how I'm going to best relate to him. You know what I mean? (laughs) <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. Yeah. My God is not talking like that. No. My God, I'm like, yo, what the fuck? What the fuck, God? Um, so when did you start to come out or start to have those conversations with yourself and with other people? I came out to, I remember, okay, this is so funny because I know that Shannon is on your podcast, but she, and I think I told her this drunk at a party one time. So. <laughs> Shannon, love you. But I started watching Shannon's YouTube videos Aww. when I was in college. Yeah. And I was like, this is so relatable. Like I'm I'm in a Southern university. I'm not in a sorority, but basically. And like all the things that she talked about struggling with, I was like, she was like the first person outside of Ellen where I was like, oh my God, this like <laughs> this is a like a lesbian that I can relate to. And I remember she had this video where she talks about, I think this was Shannon, but I she talks about looking, she was like, when you come out to yourself, you you have to like look at yourself in the mirror and you have to tell yourself that you're gay in front of this mirror. Mm. Like that's when or like that's the first moment she knew or or like that was an experience that she had. And so I thought about this for days and I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And I avoided mirrors for like three days. <laughs> I was like, I can't, I can't do it, but I know I have to, like, I know I have to look in the mirror and say it. Um, and I did, I like, I, after several days of not looking at myself in the mirror, I was like, I'm going to like admit it to myself. This is going to be the time. And I walked into the bathroom and I looked at myself and I was like, Emily, you are gay. And like, collapsed like I I'm not gonna cry but I think that it was like the first time where I like allowed myself to be honest with myself and then from there I was like at least this is something that I've come to terms with Mm -hmm. before it was something where I was like I know that I'm struggling with this I know that it is something that I think about all the time 
I like didn't even want to put myself in the gay category, but I was like, I I can't stop thinking about how like good it would feel to date a woman, you know? But the first thing that I did after I did that was I started researching conversion therapy camps. Oh my God. Like I I was like, this is official. Like I know that I'm gay and I need to do something about it. Like I cannot be gay. And I would spend like nights researching, like, what can I do to make me not gay? Or like, how does someone who is gay change like the thoughts that they have about themselves? And so I did that for a couple of months. I never checked into conversion camp, thank God. Did you know anybody who had? Or like, how did you get on that train? I did not know anyone who had, but I think it had to have been like people talking about the success of conversion therapy in the church. Mm. You know, like, Mm -hmm. what do you do? Like, what do you do if you have a gay friend that you love? Well, you can send them to conversion therapy camp, you know, and everything will be okay. Like, they don't have to be gay forever. You know, I think in Texas, especially, it was like one of those things that it was definitely viewed as a choice. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like, not only are you choosing to be gay, you can choose to not be gay as well. And I was like, that was so internalized in me because I was like, I'm choosing to be gay. Mm. And if I could choose to be straight, I want to know how to do it. Well, and (laughs) sign me up. (laughs) I mean, that's what's so crazy about it. It's like, clearly you were not choosing. Right. (laughs) Like something that I struggled with for years and I still was like, how do I choose to be straight? Yeah. You know, and I think that that's something that my parents believed, too, was that Mm. people who were gay chose to be gay. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was hard. How? How what did how did you know that? Like what were those conversations like that you knew that that was your parent that was what your parents were thinking? I think it was in little moments that I remember cuz now as you know my mom, she is biggest ally ever. She came to Pride at our house. She came to Pride. She was like I've never loved people more than I loved those lesbians. Yeah. Like <laughs> she is so the, she's the best. Yeah. Like after I came out to her, like she completely changed her, her belief. So like, you know, my mom is the best, but when I was growing up, like, again, I had this like lesbian PE coach mm. and she was like, not out lesbian, but I think everyone was, um, everyone knew. And so like people would talk about her. And I remember going home and being like, mom, people are saying that coach Harrell is a lesbian. Mm. Like, what does that mean? And she was like, well, Emily. And she like sat me down and she was like, a lesbian is when two women are love each other or they're like sexually active with each other. They're fucking. They're fucking. And I was like, well, she was like, do you have any other questions? (laughs) And I was like, yeah. I was like, how do lesbians have sex? And she was like, honey, like you do not want to know. Oh no. And I was like, Okay. That's the only thing that's gonna live in the brain forever. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So just yeah. being like, oh, like she explained it so rationally and then was like, you do not even want to think about how lesbians have sex, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it was like a love the sinner, hate the sin kind of thing again, where she had she was friends with the coach. Like she really liked her and was like, We're gonna be friends with her, but like what she's doing is not right or it's not what god has in store for us yeah which i just want to like say (laughs) for the love the sinner hate the sin thing it's the way i feel about it is like okay i could love pizza and you could not 
right. like pizza and you're fucking crazy if you don't like pizza, but whatever, we can agree to disagree. But when it comes to like who I am as a person and my rights, mm-hmm. we're not going to agree to disagree on right. that topic. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of like how I feel overall about yes. love the sinner, hate the sin. <laughs> yeah. And it's also at the root of it is hateful. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. you still believe that what you are is right and what they are is wrong. And it's an internalized, like, complex mm-hmm. that you have about yourself. It's like, I, you know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I started having, when I was in college, I started having really bad panic attacks or I don't know if they were panic attacks, but like very, very bad anxiety. And I would be sitting in a circle or like my friends would be talking to me and all of a sudden this thing would go off in my head where I'd be like enjoying the conversation and laughing and like doing what friends do. And then this like thought would come into my head, like if they knew you were gay right now, they wouldn't be laughing with you Mm. or like you wouldn't even be having this conversation if they knew like what you were hiding or who you were. I thought it was that dark. Mm -hmm. And then same with God. Like I just, I, there was a point in time where I was like, I hate God. Like I I want to get as far away from God as possible, but I couldn't because I had already put myself in this religious environment. And so I was like surrounded by it. Like I was going, I I was in two Bible studies and I was trying to be a Bible study leader to my young life girls. Meanwhile, I was like, what am I, what is the purpose of me doing all of these things if I don't even feel loved remotely by God? Or maybe God would love me more if I did more of these things. So it was constantly like an internal battle in my head where like the more, the more I do, the more I volunteer, the more I talk about God, like maybe he'll forgive me for being gay or maybe he he will love me more. And so, yeah, just definitely a two part of like God. And then also being so terrified that I would lose my friends and my family. Yeah. You're spinning your wheels just into the fucking ground, Mm -hmm. trying to be something or someone for everyone else but yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. So conversion therapy, we're researching conversion therapy. Why, what stopped that? How, how did you get over that? I got drunk one night and I was like, I'm going to tell someone like, it was the first time that I decided to tell someone. I was like, I'm going to tell my best friend. My best friend was like, not religious. Mm. And I was like, she's going to like, love me no matter what, but I'm going to pose it as like a, what if question. (laughs) So I, I think I was like blackout, but I drank so much. And then I remember looking her, looking at her and asking like, have you ever had a sex dream about Beyonce before? <laughs> like that was how I decided to come out. What like, a choice. Have you thought sexually about Beyonce? <laughs> and um, she was like, no, like I haven't. And In my mind, I was like, who hasn't? <laughs> right. Started off with that. And then she was like, are you gay? Like, are you gay? And she looked me right in the eyes and asked me. And again, like sobbing, mm-hmm. just like, yes, like, I don't, I like, I don't know what to do. Like, I've been struggling. I haven't, t- like, you're the first person that I told. And I get done and she was like hugging me and comforting me. And she was like, I was joking when I said that, but I'm so glad you decided to. No. <laughs> and I was like, Okay. Well, as I'm like in tears, like mascara running, she was like, I was kidding, but, um, I love you. And like, I'm so okay. And she was like, Emily, I promise you everyone else around you is still going to love you when you tell them, if not 
love you more because you are being your authentic self. And so the first person that I came out to was the best experience. Mm -hmm. She was just like, I don't think any, and that's what I wanted coming out to is that I think that everyone that I, I didn't know any gay people. So everyone that I saw that was gay or like had interactions with, I was like, they're known as being gay. Like that's a gay person. That's a gay person. And I didn't want to have any of that. I wanted to be Emily Mm -hmm. and I wanted to date a woman or like marry a woman. And I, I wanted it to be the smallest part of my personality. Like I wanted everyone to know and I wanted to be open about it, but I didn't want it to be who I was. Mm -hmm. Um, and so she was like, you should tell your parents. And I was like, Oh my God. I like, my parents have always been the best. Like I know that I, like, I knew that they loved me, but I was like, there is the possibility that they could potentially react crazy and be like, we're cutting, like, we're, we're cutting you off. Like I, I was already planning on moving out to LA. I had already been, you know, I actually, this is crazy, but I did teach for America moving out here, mm-hmm. but I chose LA. I was going to wait to come out to LA and then come out to my parents so that I could say that LA made me gay and that I wasn't gay my whole life Fair. so that it wouldn't have been like, I've lied to you for all of these years. Yeah. Like I wanted to come out and be like, I don't know. Like, that's crazy that LA did this to me. You know, <laughs> I mean, it has a tendency, yeah, it, has a tendency it to does, do that. It does. But I was like, that's what I'm going to use. I'm going to tell him that LA made me gay and that I had, I haven't been lying to you for all of these years. Cause that is a really tough part with the, the parents discussion in particular. Mm-hmm. It's like, you thought you knew me for this many years and you actually have known nothing or, or oh my God, yeah. not known a very large part of me. And that actually was my tactic. I moved out of Texas. I moved to LA. Not that my parents weren't like accepting or that I was super worried, but it was just like, I need to get away. Mm-hmm. I need to create, I need to form a different identity. I really, I need to understand myself on a really deep level yep. so that I can then go back to them and be like, okay. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And th- so I get that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's also the question of like, how do you know? Like, how do you know if you've never been with a woman? Or because like, I'm out here fucking girls in LA. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't even, I couldn't even defend myself. They were like, have you kissed a girl? I'm like, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I hadn't even kissed a girl yet. I hadn't yeah. kissed anyone yet. And I was like talking about being gay. And they were like, well, mm-hmm. how do you know? I'm like, well, my dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about these wet dreams. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I remember like the, the night that I drove home to tell my parents, I was so, so nervous. Like my college was about an hour and a half from home and I drove home and I got, and throughout the drive, I was like shaking the whole time. Cause I was like, I, you have to tell your mom, like you, like my mom was my best friend. I was like, she has to know, she has to know, she has to know, even though I knew that she wouldn't necessarily be accepting. And I got home and I walked through the door and she was like so happy to see me. And it was her and my sister on the couch. And I was like, well, I'm not telling my sister too. You know, mm-hmm. like I just like I just want to tell my mom. So I like waited for Susie to go to bed. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna tell my mom. And and I like started to tell her. And I was sitting on the couch and I just started like crying. And I was like, I'm about to tell you something that you do not know about me. And it's really bad. Like, like, I think that I like need serious help, you know? Um, and she was like, what is it? What is it? I'm sure she thought I was pregnant. Like there's, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, I think that I'm gay and I like, don't know what to do. 
And she was like, she was comforting me and she was like rubbing my back. And, um, the first thing that she said, she was like, Emily, like, I don't, I don't know anything about being gay. Like, I don't know, like in this moment, like what I believe anymore, but if God is love, then love is love and you can love whoever you want to love. And I was like, mom, you know, like the, the last thing that I thought that she was going to sit like the last thing I thought she was going to say was that I thought she was going to be like, well, let's get you help. Like I was going to bring up the conversion therapy research that I was doing oh, no. and like present some facts and be like, this is where you can send me. Oh. Um, but she like reacted so well. And, and I, and then I was like, you can't tell dad, like mm. dad cannot know dad cannot know. And she's like, I have to tell your dad, like, and I'm going to, and I'm going to tell him. And she's like, I'll tell him tomorrow morning. And I was like, Oh my God. So then I went to bed, but I, after every single person I told, like I felt 10 pounds lighter, mm -hmm. like told my best friend immediately felt lighter. I was like, I have to tell my parents felt lighter. And then I woke up in the morning. I like slept in and I woke up and I came downstairs and my dad made this like huge breakfast buffet of like all of my favorite foods. Oh my God, I'm going to cry. This is so sweet. And had like, he just like had spent hours cooking breakfast and I he like came up and he hugged me and he was like, Emily, I'm going to help you through this identity crisis. <laughs> and I was like, he's trying. Yeah. yeah like yeah. he didn't have the right words to say, but he definitely was like, I love you. Yeah. We're not going anywhere. We're going to be here with you through this. And that was like all I needed to start telling my friends. And then it just spiraled. Like I, I just had so many good coming out stories, like one after the other, after the other, it was like, all these people that I thought were going to disown me were like, I love you. God loves you. We're not going anywhere. We actually love you more because now you're being vulnerable. And so my coming out experience was not as brutal, like as I, as I thought it was going to be with most people. Yeah. Which is so beautiful and like nice to hear. Cause, mm -hmm. oh my God. And I relate so hard because my experience with my mom was almost identical to what that was. Not really? in a religious way, but I called her panicking. I was full on having a relationship with a girl during COVID and my parents would call me and be like, what are you doing? And I completely lie about what I was doing. I'm fucking this girl nonstop every day, but I'm like, hey, mom, what's up? Every hour <laughs> on the hour. And one day I was like, I have to tell my mom. Like I, And so I called her bawling and I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I have to tell you this. And her reaction was just that. I I this is the first time I've really feel like you've come to me with something that I can't relate to you on. Mm -hmm. I don't really know the right advice to give you, but I love you and and that's it. And I waited a year to tell my dad. I needed to have answers before telling my dad and really know myself, but he did something very similar. He I told him like on my way out. They were they were in LA. They were about to leave and get on the plane and I was like, "Yep, dad, uh, come on over. I got to pull you aside and like told him right before he left. And then I left my house and I came back and he had left all these post-it notes all over my room of like, I love you. Hi, it's the sky is what he tells me. And like, just like affirming, like, it's okay, you know, but mm -hmm. oh my God, like how lucky are we? Because most people in Texas just do not get that experience, no. you know? So, oh, I love you. I love you. <laughs> like, where do we go from here? What more do you want from us? <laughs> Also, just like thinking about who, like the seeing the place that we're in now where we are in LA and we are surrounded by this wonderful gay community, mm -hmm. like 
thinking about how scared we were Mm -hmm. to come out because of like what had happened to the people around us or just like fear of the unknown. It's like, I don't know how people are going to react or like, I don't know how my parents are going to react. I love that both of our parents had similar reactions (laughs) though. We have good, it's like if people, and this is like what I truly believe is that if someone really loves you, they will change. Mm -hmm. They will change Mm -hmm. their beliefs, you know? And like everyone that I knew around me had these, had said homophobic things or like, even when I came out to my sister, she was like, honestly, she was one of the worst reactions. She was Mm -hmm. like, that is not right, Emily. And like, I believe in what the Bible says. And the Bible says that this is not right. And now she like works at a gay nightclub. So you know what I mean? Like (laughs) there's, there's so much hope for people. And I think that like one of the things that I am so glad that I, that I was able to do was have grace for people, Mm -hmm. you know, and like see people through that initial, like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. How long was the period in between like telling your parents and before it was like, okay, we're allies and, and, and even your sister. So as beautiful as the reaction that my parents had was, I was like, okay, well, like I need to tell Susie and I need to tell my friends. And my mom was like, well, I don't know if I would do that if I were you. Mm. And looking back on it, she was protecting me. Like she didn't want anything bad to happen to me and so like in that moment i was like i was like oh they don't love like they don't want this secret to be out or like they're going to be embarrassed but i think like my mom's biggest fear was that like i would come out and that someone would hurt me or like you know Mm -hmm. someone would do something i didn't have that like i didn't know that back then but she was like don't tell Susie," and she's like and don't tell your like I wouldn't tell your roommates or like, I can't control what they do. Like they might, they, they might react bad. She's now going through the fear that you had been going through. Right. For years. Right. Mm -hmm. And all I wanted to do, I, all I wanted my mom to say was they're going to love you no matter what. Mm. Like, that's what I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear like you tell them right now because they're going to love you no matter what. And it was not that. And so Mm -hmm. like, that was a struggle too, was, was, coming out to my friends. Cause I was like, well, my, my mom doesn't even know if they're going to love me, you know, but it was like everything that I was feeling beforehand. Right. So when did you start coming out to people at your church? After I told my roommates, I told like my friend group after I told them, I was like, anyone can know now. Like I, like I don't need you to keep it a secret. Like, I don't think I'm going to tell anyone else, but if people find out, I don't care. Mm. And it spread like wildfire. Mm. Everyone knew within like two or three days, everyone that I've ever met knew that I was gay. And there were people that were on my Young Life team that unfollowed me on Instagram. That was like the first thing that I noticed. Um, And I remember being like, well, I kind of want to tell, I'm not going to tell my Young Life people, I'm going to wait. And so I waited a couple months even though I knew that they had already known, right? Like I knew that they knew. And I came out to the girl that I was closest to on my Young Life team. And I texted her this long message. And I was like, I'm sure you've probably heard, but like I came out as gay. Um, I'm, I'm sorry that I didn't tell you before, but I was just kind of like scared to. And meanwhile, again, like I kind of explained the concept of Young Life is like hanging out with these high school girls, you know, and she sent me back this message and she was like, this 
makes me so sad for you. Mm. Like, why did you choose to do this? Like, what brought you to this point? And she sends this long message and it was all just super homophobic things that are masked in love, you Mm -hmm. know? And then at the very end, she was like, by the way, like everyone on the team knows that you're still hanging out with your Young Life girls. And that was the moment where I was like, this is exactly what I was terrified of is in Texas specifically or in Southern culture, being gay is associated with pedophilia. Mm -hmm. Like because you are gay, you are creepy and you are a pedophile and you are a groomer. And so I was still hanging out with my young life girls because we're friends at this point. Like I've known them for three years. I love them. Like Mm -hmm. I've been spending time with them and they were like, this is so weird that you're still hanging out with your girls, even though you are gay. And I was like, fuck that. Mm -hmm. And I had quit Young Life and I texted her back and my roommates were like, we have to come post this message to her. (laughs) And we, I like sent her a text and I was like, I'm so disappointed in your response. So disappointed that you would even suggest that I was doing anything with these Young Life girls. Good for you. And she called me in tears. She was like, I am so sorry. Like that message that I sent was so wrong. I didn't realize what kind of impact it would have. Like, I love you. Like, I didn't even think. It's just brainwashing. The ripple effect, though, that like you're coming out had on these people who are also brainwashed. Yes. And then they're like, whoa, it like wakes like, them whoa, up. Like, whoa, I hurt you. Like, I think totally. that she thought like, that is what you were taught you're supposed to do to gay people. And again, being in Texas, all of these closeted gay girls started messaging me on Instagram. They came out of the woodworks. It was like sorority girls and camp girls and girls that I had like met in Bible study. And they all started following me on Instagram wow. and messaging me being like, I cannot believe you came. I was like a pioneer of gay women at Texas A&M. I didn't know a single person who was gay when I came out. I was just like, I have to do this. I had had good experiences up until this point. And so many people that I would never expect to be gay were telling me that they were gay and that they've been struggling. Wow. And think about how many people you helped and how many lives you probably saved in that way, mm-hmm. which to me is like truly love. Yes. And, and truly the message of, the Bible. Right. And you are, you did that. Yeah. Wow. So where do you stand on your relationship with God and religion today? I don't know what I, I don't know what my religious beliefs are now. Like I, 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 I still believe in God. I don't know. It, it's definitely not the same God that I believed in in college, but if I did, it would be like a good God because mm-hmm. of these reactions that I had from like my friends and my family who are incredibly religious, mm-hmm. you know? And that's just like, a, a, but again, so many people had different stories. So it's hard to talk about religion because I'm like, I don't believe in the same God that like had you kicked out of young life or like, I don't believe in the same God that made you feel ostracized or that made you feel like you didn't belong or that you were disgusting or that you were wrong. Like, mm-hmm. so it's hard for me to be like, I'm still religious or like, I'm still Christian. Cause I would never want that view. Like, that's not what I believe, you know? The waters are so muddy. Mm-hmm. And I think more so you hear of people who are preaching this like hateful Christian God than you hear of the actual message, mm-hmm. which is like the loving, accepting God. So it it must make it really hard to then 
kind of reconcile your beliefs and feelings. Um, and I, I really do believe that a lot of these religions and these, you know, teachings are saying the same fucking thing. And it's actually a really beautiful message. It's just mm -hmm. weaponized yeah. and used to gain power or control or. Yeah. Okay. If you could give one piece of advice for someone who's kind of grappling with their religion and their sexuality mm -hmm. going through this type of struggle, what would it be? Um, I think that there are a couple of resources that I used when I was coming out. One of them is getting a therapist who is LGBT friendly. Because when you're grappling with your sexuality and your religion, you're not telling a lot of people, you know? And like, I think specifically seeing an LGBT friendly therapist would be like my first piece of advice if you can afford therapy and if you can get obviously like therapy isn't affordable for everyone um and there are also like other resources that helped me and my family when i was coming out like there are books like there's this book called god and the gay christian that i read and that is something that i it talks about every single verse in the bible that talks about being gay and it tells you what it actually means. And this is something that we kind of like talked about a little bit earlier, but when I first came out, my mom put me into therapy and the person that I was in therapy with was a priest, mm -hmm. but he was like an LGBT affirming priest. And I walked in there and I was like so ashamed. And like, this is like before I'd come out to a lot of people and he sat me down and he read me like the verses in the Bible that talked about being gay. And then he read them to me in Hebrew, like he had a Hebrew he had a Hebrew Bible and he, and he, there's a verse, I forgot what it is at this point, but it's like, man shall not lie with other man. And, and the Hebrew words for man and man were not the same. It was man and boy. Mm -hmm. And it was like, man shall not lie with boy. Like oh, it's wow. talking about molesting or like sexual abuse. And that's like all the verses in the Bible. It's like, this is about gang rape mm -hmm. or this is about uh pedophilia mm -hmm. you know and so he read those to me and that was so instrumental because then i had a fundamental belief that being gay was not wrong mm -hmm. it was like those verses where i was like i can be religious and i can be gay and god can still love me and it's not wrong because it actually isn't wrong in the bible mm -hmm. you know that's actually yeah i have been looking up a lot of those things um, just to kind of further understand my issues with Christianity and like mm -hmm. not be judgmental or hateful towards mm -hmm. people that, you know, are of that belief system. Right. And it's it is very interesting to listen to a lot of the like affirming pastors talk about they, I guess they call them clobber verses. Have you ever heard that term? They're, they are the six passages that are you know supposedly homophobic and mm -hmm. they kind of break down a lot of these and how they really are not they don't have anything to do with right being gay mm -hmm. with being gay and it is interesting to listen to because it does kind of make it easier to i guess mend the the issues with those with with that faith mm-hmm um, so it's really great that you had someone who kind of right out the gate was like, this is what it is. Yep. And you're okay. I mean, how healing. 
And then the last thing is there is this letter that is called Letter to Louise. And it is, it's published online. You can Google it. But essentially what it is, is a pastor. He had this, like him and his wife had someone over for dinner and she came over to dinner and she was like, my brother's gay and he's, I'm so sad because he's going to hell. He knows he's going to hell and I know he's going to hell and there's like nothing I can do about it. And the pastor like spent years doing research about this. He was like, there's no way that this, her brother can go to hell for being gay. Like there's just no way. And he wrote this 30 page letter to Luis detailing every single reason why being gay is not a sin. And my therapist, who was a priest, gave it to my mom to read. And that was like the first thing that changed her mind about being gay. It was like this letter about having a relative who was gay. And so like, if you need resources for your relatives who are like very religious, or they need some kind of like if they're open to reading anything, it's this letter by this priest that was written that is 30 pages of this is why being gay, like it's not a choice. It is who God made you to be. Like you can be celebrated as a gay person. Gay people are actually more talented than straight people. There's a section in there. There's a section in there where it was like gay people actually have way more significant abilities than straight people. I mean, and I believe it. I was like, see, mom? <laughs> see, Susie? See? <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So we take submissions for advice. Okay. And Emma, 19, from Texas, that's why we chose this one, Okay. asks, my family is Baptist and I grew up in church. I found a Bible study group and community at my local church that I really love, but I haven't told them I'm gay. Should I come out to them or is this a part of my life that I shouldn't share? That is so hard. If you feel like they would not be okay with you being gay, you should not be in that Bible study. Um, I think that just for like your own sanity, like I, I, I found myself doing that where I would like put myself in situations where I knew that it wasn't a place where I would be accepted. But Bible studies look different and there are Bible studies that if you were involved and you love these people and they love you, there should be no reason why you shouldn't tell them. Mm. So I think that it just depends on who you think these people are. Like if you and honestly, test the waters a little bit, like be like, what do you think about gay people? Like mm. that that was something that I did all the time. It was like hypothetically. And if they react negatively towards that, then choose another Bible study because yeah, there are there. Yeah, those aren't your people. Mm-hmm. And like, you don't want to be friends with people who aren't going to love you mm-hmm. regardless of like who you are. But if they respond positively, you a hundred percent should come out to your Bible study people. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We like to play a game. Okay. It's you haul or you ghost. Okay. But for this episode, we're naming it you haul or you holy ghost. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she is in a Quidditch league. <gasps> you ghost. Oh, I kind of thought that you would have been okay with that. With Quidditch? Yeah. What? <laughs> is that That's what it. is that what I'm giving off? <laughs> is I love Quidditch girls. Oh my god, I have so much reevaluating to do after this. 
It's kind of like, it's kind of just Delulu. You know what I mean? It's like, why? Unless, unless it's a group of fun girls who are doing it completely ironically. Odds we start a lesbian Quidditch league. One in 10. (laughs) Three, Three, two, two, one, eight. I'm going to get you. I was actually getting excited for this one. (laughs) All right. What about she wears those elephant pants from Thailand on your first date? Um, Definitely U-Haul. Oh, she probably on. just got back from like riding elephants in Thailand. That is my problematic. <laughs> and I've well, done it before, is... so I can say that. Shoot, that is problematic. <laughs> okay, well, um, but it's okay. You don't have to be did, did, did you ever own a pair of those, the elephant pants? Absolutely mm-hmm. not. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, knew it. And then, and then you said not. I don't know. I feel like you would travel and wear those. No, I hate you. Get off my butt. Okay, listen. <laughs> I had a pair. I think when I was like traveling, I thought they were so cool. You're projecting. You're projecting your elephant pants onto me. <laughs> Do not put me in that elephant pant category. And I'm pretty sure I ordered them off of Amazon too. They were not authentic. <laughs> <laughs> you bought them before you went it's, to Thailand. Okay, okay. That, that's actually an important factor. If she bought them in Thailand, U-Haul. Okay. If she bought them here in the United States, Holy Ghost. Okay. She has an Ohm sign tattoo. Okay, I feel like I can forgive bad tattoos. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't see it and be like, I'm taking you home. <laughs> Hot. You know? Yeah, like, mm. But I would... Not ghosts if she had that. Okay, that's for Do you have an om tattoo? <laughs> no, but Matilda, I went to. These are all just things about Mal. <laughs> Mal showed up to the, her first date in elephant pants. And she's like, I don't see the problem. Matilda's freaked out. <laughs> when I went to yoga teacher training, Matilda was so worried that I was going to go get an om tattoo after. I don't Which also gives a means. little culty to me. It does. Like if you go that far into. I mean, anything really, but like that type of thing. Right. It's like, oh, they got you. What's worse, like the lesbian cult or the yoga cult? Because you're kind of a part of both. <laughs> What's more culty? Um, probably the lesbian cult. <laughs> but I'm proud to be a part of that one. Right. Right. <laughs> As most cult members are. <laughs> oh, God. That makes sense. <laughs> um. Okay. <clears throat> Mm, this one feels like a personal attack. She hasn't renewed her car registration since 2016. Oh my. Okay. First of all, you haul. I'd be like, <laughs> we're on the same page. Thank you. Well, I essentially can never go back to Texas because I owe so much money in parking tickets, oh. registration fees. I seriously think if I ever get pulled over in Texas, I will go to prison. <laughs> You might. Literally. You might. And it's so easy to get pulled over in Texas. I would get pulled over in Texas like once a once a year. You do like a little defensive driving thing and then it's off your record and then you just go and get another ticket. You're like, whatever. I probably have done like five of those defensive driving courses. I'm... Cheers. I know it like the back of my hand. I also didn't pay my taxes until Matilda made me pay my taxes. That's different. Ghost. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode. Support lesbian content by rating, reviewing, subscribing, following, and find today's guest at M Frazzled, our show at Made It Out Podcast, and me at Mal Glowinky. This podcast was produced and edited by Matilde Jordan and worked on solely by lesbians. So send this episode to every single person you've ever met to spread the gay agenda.
Good thing we are queer, or last night would be quite weird. Let's scissor again. Wait. 